on today's show we are joined by no one yes just me alone for the last two years yes 735 days i have wanted to take a stab give a go and try and do a monologue by myself so i never really plucked up the courage before so i thought why not give it a go on season three so without further ado let's see what we can muster Good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on where you are in the world, as one of our millions of Raf Chats listeners. Yes, in the intro, you heard it right. I am doing a monologue. So this should at least be somewhat entertaining, if nothing else. So let's kick off with my first topic of conversation. Um, I won't lie to you, rather nervous, not sure how this is going to turn out. So let's see. So all of the guests that come on to Raf Chats, and we've been really fortunate in, in recent times, particularly in season three, we've had some, some, some really incredible guests come on. We've had Justin Welsh, and we've talked about um, development of SaaS systems, developing your startup, how to generate seven figures as a solopreneur. We've had George Biddle, who's from a startup and um, that's working on empowering young individuals to gain access to employment through internships while they're at university and getting paid while they're doing it. And then last week, we were joined by the wonderful Jack Parsons, where we talked all things young people and the world of entrepreneurship. So we've been really fortunate to have some great guests on. And what I tend to do at the start of each episode is dive into some inflection points, kind of what got them to where they are today. What were the roles? What were the, the impacts? What were the, 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 the key things that happened to them or that they partook in that enabled them to be where they are today? So Let's kick off this first episode of Raf Chats, diving into a monologue with looking at some inflection points from my life that enabled me to to kind of move forward and, and, and create change. So kicking off right at the beginning, uh, this one's a little, is, is a tough one for me because through so much of my life, I was, was, was quite, quite an average footballer and I occasionally kicked it in the right direction. And um, this story is really pertinent to me and it, it, it it really it taught me what I could do if I genuinely just got my head down and and worked really hard. And to be honest, it's been a framework that I've just I've just taken on from then. It's something that I I nest I didn't necessarily believe that obviously I, I everyone told me hard work paid off, but I didn't have any proof, if that makes sense. I didn't have anything that I could handle and say that, oh, I've worked really hard at this and this has absolutely revolutionized my life. So a number of years back, um, I was fortunate enough to be to be playing in a in a in a local side, enjoying myself, um, sort of having a kick around with my friends. And you sort of get to that age where you're all about sixteen, and a number of teams fold, and a lot of teams amalgamate. So, I was fortunate enough to be in the club that all of the clubs kind of amalgamated into. So you had all of the the best players from from around the sort of the county and the community all joining one club. And obviously, um, you have the first few training sessions, and you think. I have no right to be in this team. I have I have no ability. Everyone here is much better than me. And 
it, it really hit me quite hard. So I attended the first few training sessions and it was really quite challenging. And the standard was much higher and everyone was better than me. And I remember um, my dad never watched me play football too much as a, as, as a young kid, but he, he, for whatever reason, he came to this training session and he said, Raph, you may as well do it because just for the fitness in itself, it, it's worth doing. And um, so I think I was about 15 years of age. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep turning up. So I kept turning up to the training sessions and each week I set myself a really basic target of could I try and get closer to the front of the pack? So at the beginning of the training, we'd do do laps. It was much more of a uh, sort of a, a professional training setup in terms of like a fitness focus. So I sort of decided that every training session I would just pursue that goal of trying to get to the front of the pack because if nothing else, at least I'd be quite fit. So week in week out in the preseason training, I worked my way to the front of the pack, um, and then I kind of realised, okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting this. And as I went way to the front of the pack, I found that people were listening to me more. We were playing better football. And I, uh, the level of confidence I gained just by doing that was, was just phenomenal. And then we started the season. Obviously I started on the bench first, first game. I, I only played sort of five, 10 minutes, uh, second game again, sort of 10, 15 minutes. And, and gradually after sort of the third or fourth game, I, I think I played a, a full half and, and played quite well. And all I did in those halves was run. <laughs> I ran, I chased around, I, I made good tackles and I, I played simple passes. And I wasn't necessarily that confident at this age and, and just getting those basics right and becoming really respected in the team for doing the, the basic fundamentals and working really hard gave me such a, a grounding that I was then able to take forward. We were fortunate enough that season. We we won the league. We won the County Cup. Um, there was just so many moments of that year that for me were just absolutely life-changing. I mean, I could do a whole podcast just diving into that and I'm sure I'd bore you all with it. But... <laughs> It instilled in me the belief of I could actually do something if I put in the hours, if I work just that much little bit harder than everyone else, even if I don't necessarily have the talent that the hard work can carry through. And and that was something that that, that proved really proved true to me in, in, in many things. Moving on to kind of one of the, the key second inflection points in my life, and, and I think I mean this technically happened probably before that, um, before that those great years of football was I was um working my in my dad's restaurant and um I think I started there when I was 13 and he kind of said, Raph, like go in doing the washing up. So on, on sort of Friday nights and Saturday nights, I would, I would go in and, and do the washing up and, and help out. And I did that for a great many years. And the, the, it probably was the greatest grounding I've, I've had in, in anything that I've done in terms of start just, just doing work and getting respected. Cause even though you're, you're the owner's boss, you are doing the, the most basic jobs and, and it, it it kind of in terms of leadership, in terms of how I've transitioned that into the world that I now operate, it's kind of you have to be able to lead. You kind of am a great believer and you kind of have had to have done or or done some of the tougher roles in an organization to understand how you can lead and empower individuals to to make real change, to to be able to kind of uh, otherwise you'll just really struggle with respect i mean in, in my time working in the hospitals you see that those those individuals who are leading that have done all the, all the jobs on the way up find it much much easier to get respect and um and and get their colleagues to do things so so for me that was another huge inflection point um i won't bore on too much about football but in terms of another key inflection point um getting into the university sort of first team of football for in year one was just a huge confidence boost to me this was something that 
absolutely sort of changed the trajectory of, of my university experience, um, getting to know everyone on campus um, and having the opportunity to play at such a high level at, at the first year of university was an absolute game changer, which then led on to me becoming the president of the football club, running the most sort of successful years we've, we've ever had in terms of finances and also performances um, and obviously beating Derby in, in, our, in our varsity matches uh, three years running without conceding a goal. Which was which was always good, and um, all these things kind of led on to me becoming a, a students union president, getting my masters at Warwick, um, and then probably the most recent inflection point that has been absolutely game changing for me has been going full time in a business that I actually hold a shareholding. So for me, what a lot of people might not realise, or, or maybe do realise, is that throughout my my kind of working life, I've always done kind of bits of consulting on the side. So I always kind of have worked to myself. But the reality of only working for yourself, you haven't necessarily got a salary from from other sources or you haven't got any other income streams is is really quite interesting. And probably the biggest inflection point that I've had in, in recent times is obviously working that that in that environment, more pressure, kind of more effectively your your inputs directly correlate with your your outputs. And I think for me, that one of the biggest realizations I've had is is kind of the idea of going all in. I think university kind of teaches you that you you can do many things at the same time. That you're working on four different projects, you're doing all of these things. And and I found that with my consulting work before, I was able to work on sort of five six projects, deliver really really good work, and and have clients that were were really happy and, and really content. Whereas kind of working in a startup, working in a small business, probably my biggest learning has been that. If you're not all in, you kind of won't go anywhere, which sounds like the most obvious thing in the world. But you see it with a lot of young startup founders that they'll go in, they'll, it makes sense why a lot of people say this is the right way of doing it, which is kind of keep your job, go into it slowly and transition over. And in all fairness, that is what I did. But the real compound returns I felt has been when I've been full time in the venture where I have devoted all of my headspace to this one project. I feel that, not that this is a term, but economies of headspace is an unbelievably powerful tool in terms of just by working on one thing, the the opportunity to think about different projects, to develop new revenue streams, refine revenue streams, cut costs. You're always thinking about it. And for me, when I kind of cut the cord from, from all of my other income streams, this was something that was was absolutely revolutionary for me in terms of having kind of all of my eggs in one basket and able to kind of raise my game and and perform and, and, and grow the enterprise, which has been something that has been an incredibly challenging, but, but fulfilling experience. I never wanted to be just a consultant. I wanted to do something, push something forward and and build a venture. So this has been a really exciting um, sort of last couple of years for me in terms of how I develop. So that's kind of me talking in a, in, a, in a very rambling manner about my kind of three inflection points in my life. I mean, I've been really fortunate enough that there's 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 so many. There's there's various other jobs that I've done. Another one that was really valuable just in terms of sales was um, to sort of pay my way through my 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 masters at Warwick. I undertook some work selling selling cars and um, just to kind of pay for my my masters and. The skills I learned doing that, the kind of the ability to constantly pick up the phone, be on the phone, calling clients, calling customers, how to close deals, how to speak to people in a way where you're trying to to close the deal. I think we live in a world where people don't acknowledge they work in sales or they refuse to believe they work in sales. But the reality is that most people's roles, unless you're an engineer, and even then you kind of have to do some sales, and um, you're in sales. And I think it's it's really fascinating how the kind of the, the discourse around marketing 
possibly, I mean, definitely on social media takes much more precedent than the idea of refining real high quality sales skills. And it's something that I'm really passionate about and it's super exciting. So it's something that I'm definitely trying to, to build and grow, grow on in, in the future. So other guests we ask when they come on their question, how are they optimizing for happiness? Um, so this is something that I've been really passionate about my whole life in terms of trying to only do stuff that I like. I know we always have to do things that we don't like, but for me, one of the the real things that has been incredibly valuable in terms of happiness is the sort of working in your own startup, working in your own business is it's quite challenging to not get kind of drawn in and kind of work all the time. And, and in all fairness, over the last couple of years, that's pretty much what I've done. So what I've tried to do, and this is a really basic habit, is just make sure that I kind of track the things that I know that I need to do that will give me a real basic state of fulfillment, a real basic state of, of happiness and contentment. And it's something that really works for me. I mean, I know I'm a very fortunate person. I'm incredibly positive and, and most days or pretty much all days, I wake up incredibly positive and, and have, a, have a really, for whatever reason, probably quite a naive outlook on life. And but I love it. It's almost, I almost go at each day like a little bit of a child, which is, which is no bad thing. And, I'm really grateful for that. But the way that I kind of maintain that and try and keep levels of optimism and, and enjoyment and, and also balance is they kind of having my daily and weekly checklist, which I'll, I'll quickly just run through now. So every day I meditate for 10 minutes, I read for 15 minutes, I listen to a podcast or an audio book for 20 minutes. I either do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, go to the gym, gym go for a walk or, or have some diligent planned rest. The reason I put it in there is sometimes I'm at fault of probably training a little bit too much. So I have planned rest in there as kind of something that if I'm not going to the gym or having a walk, I'm allowed to take a day off. And um, I also do gratitude, I'll get the word right, gratitude journal bullets. So um, every day I kind of go through and write three things that I'm grateful for. Um, it's amazing how I'm, it's something that has actually been quite beneficial to me. I'm, I'm someone that, probably derives a lot of their, their happiness generally through through gratitude and, and having from the, the perspective that for me health is everything. So so sort of journaling about that and articulating my feelings about what I'm grateful for is it's incredibly powerful. And then one new one that I've tried is I have a terribly poor um working knowledge of, of music in terms of I, I am not well versed uh, across a number of genres. So I'm trying to also listen to one new song a day. And just these these kind of very basic daily daily habits are, are incredibly beneficial, and and just for me, it's to get to gain happiness or contentment. It's just about doing the basics really right, and um, and just taking time a little bit for yourself. One one thing that I have been doing, I only do this once a week, is I kind of do a, a thirty minute sit. So I just kind of sit there and do nothing for for thirty minutes with a with a notepad. I feel that so much of the world that we live in now is is so fast paced, and the, the opportunity to just sit there and be bored uh, for me is just the most stimulating thing and, and helps me collect my thoughts, calm down and, but also kind of allow the kind of day-to-day stuff that I know that needs to be on my list to sort of sort of come through and kind of just get all the stuff out of my brain. I find it incredibly cathartic. There are a couple of things that I optimize for happiness. Sort of more than that, I'm, I, I go out for dinners with friends a lot and I'm fortunate enough to, to spend a lot of time with, with other entrepreneurs or I can't call myself an entrepreneur really, other young business individuals um, in, the, in, in the ed tech space, which has, been, which has been really good. I found it 
relatively interesting not working in office with lots of people that kind of running your own business can become quite lonely so taking the time to find other people that are in a similar situation is is just brilliant that's probably one of the, the biggest tips that i would give young budding entrepreneurs is is take the time to find others find other individuals that have a passion have an interest um, in what you're doing but also have a similar frame of reference. So find those individuals that are that have taken a part, that have maybe raised some capital and are going it alone and, and have a small team. And and you'll find that you'll be a, they'll be able to genuinely understand the world that you walk in, the, sh- the shoes that you feel, because it is quite a unique experience. Um, and for me, this has been just this been absolutely revolutionary in terms of um, well-being is being able to speak to other people that are in, in the same space as you with the same frame of reference. So I'm incredibly grateful for those individuals that I grab a coffee with and then and, and spend time with. So in terms of how have I invested in myself recently, um, in many ways, I'm, I'm constantly looking at courses and ways of developing. I mean, for me, the best investment that anyone can have on a, on a real basic level is, is an audible membership. Just develop your your breadth of reading it's so easy just to pop an audiobook in and, and listen about listen to something that is completely completely out there and, and absolutely outside your normal frame of reference and uh, for me i now mainly use audible now i've pretty much gone through all the business books i think i'm at like 225 i use it now to to broaden my understandings of other topics so diving a bit into physics chemistry because the, these were areas that I just absolutely, as a as a, as a kind of a, a young individual going through school, really struggled with, but have kind of, after doing my master's, really opened my eyes to kind of scientific thought, rigor, research. And, and for me, it, it, it would be incredibly valuable to have an even more rounded education. So for me, investing in myself, I, I've been, obviously, Audible is a great shout. In terms of specific things that i've bought uh, there's a couple of courses by justin welsh who's been a been a guest of the podcast who is i mean absolute brilliant guest and i have to say and i've i've I plugged his courses on on the podcast in episode one but they are absolutely brilliant um getting started on social media uh, linkedin and how you kind of go those first few steps to to cover that blank page because i think a lot of us really do get get lost when we're kind of sat there thinking i need to write a post i need to do something but where do i get started so for me that's been i mean unbelievably valuable so as we cover on most raft chats episodes they're the kind of key questions that we we ask our guests and i'm going to probably try and do enough another raft monologue in season three because i'll be honest with you they are incredibly challenging um for me anyway and it's something that i would much i would like much like to i would very much like to improve my ability at so so i completely understand if you don't tune into the next one um but i think they're a really exciting opportunity to to develop thought and, and understand clarity around how you communicate. So it's something that I've always wanted to do. It's probably taken the podcast about 400 steps backwards because I'm sure we've lost about 4 billion listeners, but um, it's all good. So next week's guest is very, very, very interesting. So I'll keep that one under wraps, but um, we've got a really good guest lined up for next week. And as we always do on Rap Chats, it's really important that we finish with with our words of wisdom. So I normally ask this to guests when they've had no time to plan, but I have had a little think about this. And there's been kind of three three key things that or quotes or, or phrases that have really helped me in my life. So discipline equals freedom from our good friend of the podcast, Jocko Willink, and incredibly powerful stuff, just something really basic that 
you find, and I find this in terms of creativity as well, give yourself a box and then you'll find your way out of the box. And, that, and that's where, for me, I, I, I create creativity. The ob- obstacle is the way. So, I mean, it's paraphrasing Marcus Aurelius, but I believe that I mean, it's the book title of, um, of Ryan Holiday. This has been something that I think I read the, the first Ryan Holiday book kind of in, in my, my late teens um, or early 20s. And it really resonated with me that what I've tried to do all my life is kind of think, where is the challenge and kind of run head first into that? And for me, it's always been about the story. Some, this, this, this quote really resonates with me because the decisions that I make often are derived around what will what will be interesting or what will I regret not doing? And I find that running headfirst towards obstacles is always something that at least is interesting. And this kind of builds into to my kind of last bits of words of wisdom, which is all around making decisions. And when I talk to other people my age, I find that this framework is is really quite quite useful and quite powerful. And I think in, in the modern day, we, we get caught up in the monotony of, of, of Zoom calls, of meetings, of, of day-to-day life. And we often get these big decisions that kind of come up and we will pass them to one side or think about them too much or, or sometimes we even get people get really stressed about these huge decisions. And, and for me, it's quite simple. I, and this is because of the point I am in my life. I don't think this will, will work throughout the rest of my life, but for me, it's always, what is the next call to adventure? I make decisions based on, based on frankly, what I think I'd regret not doing. And for me, that's been a, a really, really powerful, powerful way of living and and a way of kind of making decisions. And, and when I speak to lots of people and they use this framework, it's something that makes everything a lot simpler. Anyway, I've rambled on for far too long. I hope you've managed to, to get through this, this shorter episode of Rough Chats where I try to do a monologue. It was really interesting. I was going to get um, John, who helps who John Holt, who does um, book club with me, to to ask me the questions. But then I thought I'm going to challenge myself and try and do a monologue. And I won't lie to you; I found it very, very challenging. But I actually quite look forward to doing the next one. I'm always about trying to push yourself in different ways and and develop your craft. And and for me, this is definitely a a next step on rough chats in what I need to do. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. I have checked that I have actually clicked record, so that is a positive. I haven't just been talking to myself (laughs) for the last sort of 20-odd minutes. And I hope you have a glorious rest of your week. And I look forward to catching up with you all soon. So have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.